This is the Cool Meanderings with Dr. Germ G Podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Cool Meanderings Podcast. This is Dr. Germ G. Hope you're having a good start to your Friday, wherever you are. I am podcasting from the DMV. It's a little early here. It's a little, a little after 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm having a little trouble sleeping, so I thought, hey, why not do another podcast? So, just wanted to chat a little bit with you about some rumblings in the entertainment world, specifically related to Ms. Marvel. Lots of excitement because of Ms. Marvel for the MCU. Um, So, if you're interested in uh, any of our episodes, check us out at coolmeanderings.com. You can also catch our this podcast on Spotify, Google, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. If you would like to drop me a line about today's episode or any of our previous episodes, you can reach me at drgermg at coolmeanderings.com. You can also find me on Twitter at uh, germdr, that's capital J, lowercase e-r-m, capital D-R, Germ Doctor. Awesome. So, Ms. Marvel, we're for what, maybe, we're about 24 hours, no, 48 hours from the uh, release of the final, sixth and final episode of the Ms. Marvel Disney Plus series. I have to say that, um, for me, this was one of the best this was one of the best uh, series, and I say that because um, it, it there was a great payoff for sticking with the series. I thought that they did a wonderful job telling the story of Iman Vellani's uh, uh, Kamala Khan. Um, you, I felt like I got a better understanding of who Kamala was. And also who she was, but also how important she was to her family, her family's history. I, you know, um, I thought the story really played well. The, the building was in, the villain was interesting. You know, a group of a group of uh, not even sure what you call these individuals, uh, but they're part of the what they call the clandestine. A little different from what the the group in the comics, but uh, overall, uh, you know, uh, Marvel Studios took some creative liberties to switch a few things around from the comics, which I thought worked really well. But overall, um, by the sixth episode, I felt like I, I had a really good understanding of, of how um, Kamala became the hero that Jersey City needed. Um so really good flow to the story. Um, but then, then came the last few minutes of episode six, the wrinkle that they decided to throw into the show. So in the comics, Kamala is an inhuman. 
So um, now we were told early on that she would not be an inhuman on the show. But what we did, didn't know, but were pleasantly, pleasantly surprised to learn was that uh, Kamala is in fact a mutant. Well, at least that's the moment that uh, where Matt Lentz's Bruno tells her about um, observing some mutations, right? Some mutations uh, in, her, in her genes, in her cells. And when he explains this, you, you, you hear that familiar theme from the X-Men a- animated series. Now, I don't think that was a coincidence. Uh, it just, I mean, the moment was just so, I mean, Twitter just exploded with that, from that moment. I certainly had a few things to say on Twitter about it. And uh, Sidney or- Odman from The Hollywood Reporter it pointed out that this was actually the second time that we got to hear the uh, X-Men animated series uh, theme music in the MCU. The first time, which I had forgotten about, but the first time was during uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness when Patrick Stewart's Professor X rolls out um, during the uh, Illuminati scene. So, I mean, the doors are... The doors are open for all kinds of possibilities. You know, Ottman references uh, the rumor of uh, Taron Egerton playing Wolverine in the MCU as an example of the possibilities that um, that may be developing with uh, uh, Kevin Feige's um, um, work with the formerly Fox-owned, Fox-owned uh, X-Men properties. So... Foxed, right? Well, they were fox. They were boxed in the fox, but not any longer. Now they, now they're back with Marvel, as is the Fantastic Four. So, good days ahead for the MCU. But man, little Miss Marvel and not Thor ends up shaking up the MCU. Yeah, um, about Thor. You know, I I haven't even seen the movie yet, Thor: Love and Thunder, but I, you know, admittedly. Um, I wasn't impressed by the trailer or the trailers. I mean, I figured it'd be decent, but I don't know. And then, you know, I've read so many reviews and I've seen, you know, I've seen a few scenes online and it's, you know, I would say that it's, you know, it's probably a decent movie, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm going to go see it though. I'll probably wait for it to come on Disney plus. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, uh, you know, I know they're there. Everyone's talking about the post credit scene. Oh no, I'm sorry. The mid credit scene with, um, the introduction of Hercules. Oh, spoiler. Sorry. Spoiler alert. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I, at this moment, I'm super hyped about, Miss Marvel and what was what was the treats that we received for sticking through six episodes of Miss Marvel beyond a great story, of course, but at the end, wow, just man, what a moment, what a moment. And how about that post credit scene? You know, Marvel, they delivered a fabulous cameo from Carol Danvers. So something happens with, uh, Kamala's bracelet and 
she somehow disappears and Danvers, you know, comes and appears in her, in her place, crashing into the teen's closet. So after being freaked out initially, you know, upon realizing that she's in some teen's bedroom with a shrine to Captain Marvel all over the wall, you know, she kind of comes to, you know, Danvers comes to and realizes that, you know, something's not right and she's got to go. But I wondered, like, so where did where did she come from? And where did uh, Kamala go? And, you know, is, is Kamala, was Kamala sh- shifted somewhere into space? You know, I mean, it, this, this scene really opens the door to so many possibilities. So I, after watching that, I just became super hyped for the Marvels. So we're getting Carol Danvers, Kamala Khan, and Monica Rambeau. But will we get Adam Bashir as well? Blue Marvel? Um, so Zawi Ashton, I hope I pronounced that right. She is apparently listed as the film's villain. So I, I'm, I'm hyped. I'm hyped to see where they take the story. But we'll have to wait a little over a year as the film doesn't, it's not going to be released until July 28th, 2023 at the earliest, because, you know, initially, um, it was, it was scheduled to be released, uh, in February of 2023, but they made some, Marvel made some, some changes due to all sorts of scheduling challenges, I suppose. Maybe we'll learn a little bit more about the Marvels uh, during uh, San Diego Comic-Con, which is coming up later this month from July 21st to July 24th. Uh, there are all sorts of really interesting rumors out there about the MCU just popping off and during uh, Marvel's uh, presentations uh, later this month. And... There are some really interesting theories out there and rumors. Um, if you go to the YouTube channels of Den of Nerds and Comic Book Cast 2, you can find out um, they've got, they seem to have some interesting, uh, interesting sources for all sorts of really juicy, really juicy rumors on what may be coming down the pike for Marvel in the next couple of years. So, yeah, I'm hyped. I'm definitely hyped. I mean, I may go see Thor, Love and Thunder. I mean, I'm I'm on the fence, you know. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Uh, what can you say? I, I mean, uh, no one is perfect, okay? Marvel's done. I mean, any for any Marvel fanboy. This is a golden era. I mean, the MCU is, is, the MCU is is just a, a treasure trove of all of our dreams and fantasies coming to life. You know, having read all those comics, read and collected all those comics over the years to see the way that they carefully developed these stories and, and found just 
the best talent to portray our favorite characters. I mean, I don't want to complain too much. It's just, you know, I don't know. I'm a little down about Thor Love and Thunder. I haven't even seen it, but I've I've read enough to know. That, and I've read about, you know, some of the issues with the film. And I've seen a few clips. And I, I, I still may check it out, but I don't know. Uh, but, hey. Ms. Marvel's basically basically taking my mind off of that and man it's like yo wow all of a sudden you know within the last 48 hours just it's just been it's it's like a the mcu has just received a, a jolt of new excitement it's just wow man i can't wait i can't wait to to hear what comes out at, at the uh at the comic con in a few weeks should be great. Should be great. Um, I wonder if there'll be a... Uh, I should probably look this up, but I'm, I'm curious to know if there'll be anything about the boys at Comic-Con. Um, we know that uh, the boys, uh, which is uh, on Amazon Prime, um, they're getting a season four. Uh, they just finished up season three. Showrunner Eric Kripke is, uh, he's taken the show to a whole other level. Season three, I mean, somehow he topped season two. Season two was better than season one, but season three, wow. I mean, the cast delivers in a big way. Um, Homelander, the Homelander versus Butcher story. It just, wow. They just took it to a whole different level. Basically, it was Homelander versus Butcher and Homelander versus literally everyone, which was great. Anthony Starr's performance, I mean, so underrated. We we, we get to see a, a vulnerable, almost broken Homelander throughout the season, which was, which was fantastic. I mean, figuratively and literally broken or almost broken uh, throughout the season. Uh, I thought it was great. And we, we, we had a similar story arc for Butcher, uh, for Carl Urban's uh, Billy Butcher. It was a little different, though. Um, he, he was vulnerable and nearly broken in part by his past, but also by his... At some point, he seemed a little, he seemed a little lost, almost like, you know, like he needed to, he needed to somehow find, find a way to, to, basically, he just became desperate, became so desperate to finally, not just rid the world of soups, but particularly Homelander, and he makes... He makes some crazy choices. Uh, wow. So, yeah, it was a wild, a wild season three. And, man, uh, it, the way the season ends, it just opens the door for so many amazing possibilities. Um, 
I loved all the subplots, you know, uh, Huey and Butcher, Huey and Starlight, right? Um, Mother's Milk. Oh, man. So, so Kripke introduces us to um, an obscure character from the comics, um, the character of Soldier Boy. It was sort of like a Faggy, Kevin Faggy like move to take this obscure character and just transform it into this huge, huge, like consequential figure for the soups, for Vaught, for the country. Man, uh, Jensen, Jensen Ackles, um, I, you know, he's like this man out of time, you know, he's like the boys, like their version of Marvel's Captain America with the hint of Sabretooth. It's like an old soul that could care less, you know, just, just great. Just great. Just great. But, um, Mother's Milk apparently hates Soldier Boy. And you get to see how that plays out throughout the season. Uh, I also liked uh, Frenchie's uh, subplot. He had his own little issues, but he also had a dynamic with Kumiko, which takes another interesting turn this season. And there are so many others. Um, Black Noir story took a really weird turn, uh, which was quite different from the comics. But who knows? Maybe... Maybe something they'll they'll somehow bring in some elements of how noir story ends um, in season four, but um, man, I mean, A Train story arc, wow, yeah, season season three um, was phenomenal. Now I have to say, um, they dealt with the theme of herogasm. They actually it was an episode that focused on herogasm, which was a pretty significant theme in the comic. Um, now the, the episode of herogasm was okay. Um, sure. Lots of lewd, lewd activity, as you would imagine, herogasm, right? You get the idea. Um, but, um, now the best fight scene actually happened to be in the middle of Herogasm. But that fight could have really happened anywhere. Overall I thought that Herogasm seemed to matter more in the comics than in the show. I thought, you know, I understand, you know, the in terms of marketing and public perception. Perhaps, you know, you don't want to to be too flippant about something like herogasm, but in reality it was, I mean, if you, if you, if you look at it relative to the, the overall dynamics on the show, I didn't find it to be that different from some of the lewd activity that is just seems to be commonplace with this particular show, the gory violence, the lewd activity is just, it's just, it's just par for the course. Now, while I didn't think Herogasm was that significant in the show relative to the comic, 
Man, overall, the show just blows the comic away. The show is unbelievable. It's one of the best shows. Streaming. I mean, I, I don't watch that much TV, so I can't really compare it to, you know, dramas or action shows on cable. But um, definitely, it's definitely one of my favorite. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for season four. Can't wait to to see what uh, what new wrinkles um, Kripke brings uh, to season four. And I'm curious to, to also learn if, um, you know, how much further they'd like to take this thing. Um, I mean, they've, they've got some great momentum. They probably could get a few more seasons out of the, out of this this uh this show. It's great. Yeah, so can't wait for season four. Maybe they'll maybe there'll be some mention of uh, the boys at Comic Con. If not, that's okay. I'll just you know I'm I'm very much satiated. Uh, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Kripke. Thank you, Amazon Prime. I look forward to season four very soon, sometime next year, I imagine. So before I get out of here, I just want to just give a quick, 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 quick comment on a film that I ended up watching this past weekend. So I didn't see Thor Love and Thunder because I decided to take my kid and my nieces to the theater they decided that they didn't want to see Thor Love and Thunder because for them, you know, they'd seen enough Marvel movies. They wanted to see something different. And so, I, you know, I was actually, you know, at first I was like, what? We're not going to watch Thor? But then, you know, I thought, well, I guess I could probably just watch it by myself. So the, the girls decided that they wanted to see Jurassic World Dominion. I thought, well, yeah, you know, the whole Jurassic Park thing, you know, it's what a what the first movie came out in 93 and somehow they found a way to to make you know, five iterations, this one being the sixth. And apparently in this one, you know, they bring all many of the key characters back together. Um somehow they managed to do this uh, because you know the 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 main well I don't want to give too much of it away I'll just say that um, well you can you can find you find uh, key cast members like uh, Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill Laura Dern from the first first Jurassic Park with um, Chris Pratt. And Brian Dallas Howard, who had key roles in the uh, Jurassic World um, uh, uh, I guess we'll call it a uh, trilogy, right? Yeah. So I didn't see the first two Jurassic World films. I vaguely remember Jurassic Park. <laughs> Um, so when I went into it, it was pretty open, you know, I was somewhat relaxed listening to the, the loud booms and screams from the Thor movie, the Thor theater across from us. And I thought, okay, well, let me 
just uh, focus on the Jurassic World. <laughs> and it was okay, you know. Uh, it wasn't bad. We had good seats, um, good sound, good, really nice special effects. Uh, the dialogue was okay. You know, the plot was, you know, interesting. Uh, it was actually, uh, the plot actually connected connected with the, the previous film in a nice way. Uh, I thought that uh, yeah, it was a little corny, some of the dialogue, but, you know, my my nieces, my daughter, they, they, they loved it. Um, they had a great time. Uh, definitely a film for, you know, for kids, you know, definitely bring the kids, you know, and they're all, you know, middle school, high school age, and they just were loving it. I thought it was okay, you know. Um, not something I would watch again, but they certainly loved it. And I would imagine that most kids, or many kids, will probably, if they're not into Thor, they're they're digging Jurassic World. So, um, yeah. So if you're looking for a film to take your kids to that isn't Thor Love and Thunder, Jurassic World Dominion might be for you. Yeah, as for me, make mine Marvel. But Jurassic World is okay. All right, well, that is my little diatribe for today. This early Friday morning. So, uh, if you like our podcast, please let us know. Follow us. You can uh, find us on Google Podcast, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Uh, you can also go to coolmeanderings.com and listen to any of our episodes. And, uh, you know, what did you think of the Miss Marvel finale? Uh, did you see Thor Love and Thunder? Am I making a mistake? Should I go see it like tomorrow? Or should I actually wait until it comes on Disney Plus? I probably will end up seeing it, but I'm just curious to get some some additional reviews. I mean, I've had plenty, but you can never have enough. But uh, yeah, if you've got some thoughts on where the MCU is going, which is uh, very much an exciting place, I'm looking forward to uh, to where it takes us. Uh, but yeah, if you want to talk about that or about uh, the Boys season three. Um, maybe you took your significant other or, or your kids, or you just went yourself to go see Jurassic World Dominion. You know, drop me a line at, uh, Dr. Germ G at coolmeanderings.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at, uh, uppercase J, lowercase E-R-M, uppercase D, lowercase R, Germ Doctor. All right. Well, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. This is the Cool Meanderings podcast with Dr. Germ G.